feel like Gordon Bombay would have taken his career to even further heights. Everything's flashy, everything's cocaine, everything's fun. Open wide for some soccer! I don't care what you think about, what your personal thoughts are at home. I care that you hate the Cowboys. Welcome everybody to the Sports Experience Podcast. I'm Chris, this is Dom, just a couple of comics talking sports. Uh, Please give all of our socials the follow, the comments, the like. Uh, YouTube, Instagram are our two biggest. If you'd like to see uh, an athlete or a team or a whatever, an event, please comment on it or email us. Uh, Other than that, man, let's just get right into it. Who are we talking about today? We're back on the gridiron today, Chris, and we're talking about one of the longest-tenured quarterbacks in NFL history, Uh, and and someone you wouldn't think of. uh, I was just going to say, he is literally the journeyman of journeymen, so here we go. Quite the journeyman. Today, we're talking about Vinny Testaverde, or as my dad called him, Vinny Greenballs. (laughs) Vincent Frank Testaverde, born in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, to Dad Al, a construction worker, Mom Josie, and he had four sisters mm-hmm. growing up there in New York. Um, as a little boy, he was really into football. His dad really kind of got him into playing football. And uh, since he was such a big kid, his dad would have to bring his birth certificate to all his tryouts because was, he looked three years older than everybody. <laughs> I was just going to say, he was one of those oversized kids where he was like three or four inches bigger than everybody all the time. Yeah. And that's why I bet football was so fun when you were younger. You yeah, know what right. I mean? Just when running over people. Just like, no, 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 I'll play offense and defense. No, it's fine. <laughs> so, you know, Rudy, this is the exact opposite of that. <laughs> he grew up in Elmont on uh, Long Island. Um, went to Siwanhaka High School, but he did not start as a quarterback until his senior year, Yeah, which I thought was crazy. Um, it said as a junior in the final game of the season, he was playing wide receiver. Um, he threw a touchdown off a lateral pass to win the Nassau County Championship. And as a senior, even though he started in a run-first veer offense, which is like the option, he still threw for almost 700 yards. So you're thinking, okay, this is a D1 prospect, a quarterback. He could go to like Penn State, Boston College, a lot of D1 schools. But his grades aren't very good. <laughs> and this is something that oh boy. plagues him for his entire career. Yep. Is He's a bit of a knucklehead. A little bit of a knucklehead. You, school's not his first priority. I was just going to say, the uh, he is such the 80s jock. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. He's 6'4". He's, he's giving all the nerds wedgies. 200 pounds. He's putting the uh, jock strap over the one guy's face. Do you know karate? Do you know karate? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> so because his grades were not good and not really interested in school, he couldn't get into any D1 program. So he decides to, you know, basically boost his recruiting stock because you can take a post-grad year. And he goes to the famous Fork Union Military Academy in Virginia. So now this is where I think might be the best move of his entire career. Oh, totally. Where he, like you said earlier, he literally had one year playing quarterback and and his grades were garbage. And he was just like, I'm going to go focus in on my grades. So I'm eligible to at least get into a party school. But also... also, that extra year of development on quarterback was so, I feel like, what he needed. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? Just like the the time of the – because one year of high school quarterback is not a lot. Yeah. So no. just going to the military uh, academy and like having that extra year coming in, I think, was very important. You said, Army school helped me in a lot of ways. I learned how to fold my clothes and make my bed. Yep. <laughs> learned the discipline, and because of his success there, he gets into the party school, Chris. The University of Miami, as they are building a Death Star – 
1982. And I was going to say, this is Miami in the 80s. The fun Miami. So this is the Miami Vice 80s. This is Don Johnson in pastels in a white suit. Type 80s. Type 80s. Uh, 82, he plays a little bit, kind of sparingly, uh, back up to Jim Kelly yep. in his senior year. So this is the run when Miami had like six or seven straight NFL quarterbacks. I was just going to say, him included is, you're like, oh, he backed up Jim Kelly the first year, and you're just like, all right, who's next? Like it was, yeah. it, It's a fun run of 80s cocaine quarterbacks. Yes, it is. Um, in 1983, he almost beat out. The starter, Bernie Kosar, mm-hmm. who was a redshirt freshman for the uh, starting job. Unfortunately for him, uh, head coach Howard Schnellenberger thought Kosar was much more ready to play. And they just essentially iced Vinny for the season to use the redshirt, which when we look down the road was a very good decision by the program. Yep. Um, in 83, all that happens is Miami wins the Orange Bowl in the national championship. <laughs> So it was it was a really great move. Yeah, it was very smart. Say, saying that he wasn't as prepared as Kosar was just kind of accurate in this time. Yeah. Um, 1984, they have a new head coach. Schnellenberger leaves for the USFL. Uh, Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy J. We've discussed him in some previous mm-hmm. episode. Um, at this point, Testaverde thinks about transferring because Kosar is already an immediate star for Miami. Um Red, and only a redshirt sophomore. So basically, you may get one year of playing yeah. time if that happens. Um, luckily, after the season ends, Kosar decides to enter the supplemental draft in 1985 because he has three years of eligibility, or he's had three years mm-hmm. outside of high school, and he's also um, essentially graduated. He already earned his undergrad degree, so he enters a supplemental draft, which is awesome for Vinny. I was going to say it is because transferring in this time is not great he would have to take a year off there's so yeah. many there's, there's so many no tra- transfer portal there's no that. transfer portal so like uh kosar literally going into the nfl draft right here opens up it because you're right it could have been one year but it was two years to show everybody that he was a starting quarterback and mind you at this time he's becoming just a freak in the weight room like even though he's not playing, he's basically Ivan Dragoing himself into just an absolute stud of a human being. Well, I think sometimes that helps not playing because he's not dealing with injury, so he can literally work out for two years straight. <laughs> yeah. So you're right, because he becomes what you want in a quarterback, which is what you were saying, 6'4", 200 pounds, all muscle. And you're yeah. just like, all right, goddamn. Because he was quick, too. Yeah, he, he wasn't like John Elway, but he had mobility to escape the pocket and make throws down the field. Like yep. He's not like your typical, he's not Michael Vick, I guess oh, is no, the best no, way not, to say it. Yeah. But he has mobility and good footwork. Um, 1985, his first year as a starter was fantastic. Team goes 10-2, and two, throws for just over 3,200 yards and 21 touchdowns. Um, they were the only team to beat Oklahoma that year. And you know which game that was? No. The one that got Troy Aikman to transfer <laughs> Oh, the one where he got hurt in. Interesting. Vinny was the yeah. quarterback in that game. Wow. Um, Spiderweb. This is the Spiderweb podcast. Uh, he, uh, Oklahoma, who won the national title that year. Yeah. Um, he finished fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting. And he still got another season to play. Mm-hmm. And had this season ended differently, we might be talking about the 86 Hurricanes as the greatest college football team ever. Because they were dominant and Vinny was the quarterback on the best damn team in college football. Um, they go 11-0 and in 1986. Um, that season, he um, go Win- oh wins the Heisman. Yeah, wins the Heisman Trophy. Uh, 26 touchdowns passing, and they play in the 87 Fiesta Bowl. Against Penn State. 
And a certain defensive coordinator, who we won't talk about, had a very good defensive plan to stop Vinny and well, Miami's high-powered offense. This is the first glimmer. This is like the foreshadowing of what people say is his big problem in the NFL or his detractor of being like one of the greatest quarterbacks of his time yeah. is we see him going to this Fiesta Bowl and throw five interceptions. And they're not like tip ball no no These they're are like hitting guys in the numbers interceptions yeah. like they're not good they're not even though he has five interceptions they only give up 14 points yeah and they still lose 14 to 10 well that's what people are saying was miami was such a better football team but they almost got out coached yes because it, it really like you were saying it really was like he's gonna throw the ball right here yep. be there he's not gonna even be looking for you and it it was such a glaring mistake for him as a quarterback. Yeah, and I mean, not only for him as a quarterback, but that is your, like, last performance before the NFL takes you. Yep. You know, that's where it's the worst possible time to do it, but it doesn't affect him too much because he's 6'4", 220, mm-hmm. runs a four seven five forty, has huge 10-inch hands, which means he's probably bigger downstairs than Shaquille O'Neal. Whoa. And he's going to be the number one pick in the 87 draft. I mean, you got a quarterback like this. You can't pass on him. Yeah, there were other guys. I think Jim Harbaugh was a first-round pick this year. And then uh, we did another episode on a guy in this draft, uh, Sterling Sharp. Mm -hmm. Check that one out, everybody. He was a top-ten pick. So, unfortunately for Vinny, and this is what... This is kind of mirrors the Tim Couch stuff we talked about, where... It doesn't matter how good you are. If you go to an absolute wasteland of a franchise, there's no hope. There's absolutely no hope. So if you weren't familiar, he's taken number one overall by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a franchise who did not sign their previous year's number one overall pick, Bo Jackson, because they tried to screw him out of playing baseball in college. Well, and they get this reputation of being a horrible franchise. So you have free agents that don't want to come they can't really build the their offense. Owner, their owner was a cheap bastard yep. in New Culver House. From 1983 to 1996, this team missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Not even the recent Browns did this. This was like, this, this is the sad bucks yes. of this era. This is the dregs. In, in those creamsicle uniforms. <sighs> Selling popcorn in the instructional fuck league. So he goes to Tampa Bay in 87. And this is also another, you know why they drafted him number one? Because they had just ruined Steve Young and sent him to San Francisco. Oh, yes. Yes, I did read that's about this. That's why they're and drafting Vinny. And this is literally what they were saying. Like, they could have had some of the best players because it was literally like first-round pick, first-round pick, back-to-back. And they literally just shot themselves in the foot because they had to take Vinny. Shot and they... themselves in the foot? They shot themselves in the dick. You oh, could have yeah. had Bo Jesus. Jackson and Steve oh, Young. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, it's like, abandon all hope, ye who enter here. So he goes to a team without a lot of good players. 87 is the strike year. And he goes 0-4 and, and throws for a 43% completion percentage. Mind you, he is running for his life. Yes. And it's not necessarily his... It's his fault, but it's not his fault. It's like the Tim Couch thing. You just feel bad for him. Well, yeah, because he is coming in as a rookie. So obviously he's not going to be as... As like shapely... Or you know what I mean? As like... 
seasoned as he should be, but they are literally, they were talking about these four games. They were just chasing him all over the field. Like he had no O-line. It was just like, oh my God. Just here. Oh God, make it stop. Yes. Oh, so 88, his first year as a starter. He goes five and 10, which is not particular. Another under 48% completion percentage. Did throw for 3,240 yards and 13 touchdowns. But you know how many picks he had? 35. That's is, two more than two times a game. Which is the second highest in NFL history. Um, and he was sacked 33 times. I did want to yep. bring that. In 15 games, you're sacked 33 times. It's brutal. <laughs> you're getting Kurt Russell in imagination land, this poor bastard. 89-90, it's no better. Goes 11-16 and 16 between the two seasons. Is over 50% completion percentage. Passes for almost 6,000 yards. And he's starting to cut his interceptions down. Mm-hmm. So between these two years, he has 37 TDs and uh, 40 interceptions. But he had 22 of them in 89 to lead the league and sacked 38 times each season. And now we start getting to... It's bad enough when your team and yourself are completely failing, but it's another when fans and people in public start talking garbage about you. I was just going to say the the fan base was obviously horrified as to what was happening with their team because it wasn't even like there was any kind of effort. You know what I mean? It it was more like, yeah, we're going to lose and we're going to lose for a decade. So who is the first round pick? Who's the, yeah, the starting quarterback? Obviously Vinny's going to be taking a lot of this brunt and we see stuff they're the brunt of this. We see stuff that we just don't see in sports anymore. It's downright mean. <laughs> just mean personal attacks. Yes. Which I, God, we're just missing it. They were they were making fun of him um, due to he was colorblind. Vinny's colorblind. He's colorblind. So they even erected a billboard in Tampa Bay that said, uh, "Hey, Vinny, the sign is or- the sign is uh, orange. It was blue. It was blue. Vinny thinks the sign is orange. It's blue. It's blue behind him. Yeah. Um, another one was in this era. One of the commentators were caught. So like Gene Upshaw of Gene all Upshaw, people in between. So like they went to commercial break and he didn't re- realize that his satellite conversation oh for people that didn't get those commercials were still going, and he proceeds to mm, say that. This is our some boy spice. Is a, is this is a boy. roast, dude. This is a it's music a roast. box roast. Yeah, seriously though, because he's just like literally saying how stupid he is and how much better of a quarterback than he would be. He was an O lineman. He was a Hall of Fame offensive guard. Don't get me wrong, but you know you got to play next to Art Shell, another Hall of Famer for a decade plus. Vinny has popsicle sticks, tape, and glue in front of him as an offensive line. He said, Vinny is so dumb, he would drag an electric cord through the swimming pool to trim the hedges, which is just brutal. Oh, God. You're thinking, I'm a hot shot coming out of Miami, staying mm-hmm. in Florida. And then this is when players should have just stopped, like refused to report, not even sign with Tampa after what happened. After him. this, yeah. Like, that's just horrendous. Um, 91 and 92, kind of have some injuries start piling up. Uh, goes three and nine and ninety one, eight touchdowns to fifteen picks, thirty five sacks. That year he started losing playing time to a guy we talked about in a previous episode, Chris Chandler. Oh yeah, for that Falcons uh, Vikings oh, yeah. game. Um, uh, but we see that he's he's getting injured, but he's also improving his um, interceptions. But he's getting sacked 
so much. Yeah. It's ridiculous. And I should note, this is how stupid Tampa Bay was. They traded their number one pick, which I think was either number one or number two the following season to Indianapolis. Oh, yeah. For Chandler. So 92, he goes 5-9, uh, 2,554 yards, 14 TDs, 16 picks, which is good. Mm-hmm. Another two uh, rushing touchdowns. Uh, again, sacked 35 times, and by that point, the team's looking to replace him. The six-year experiment is over. They're going, act to, they're going to actually use another former Miami quarterback in Craig Erickson. <laughs> so heading into 93, Vinny needs a change of scenery. And he gets a helping hand in 1993 by someone who not a lot of people think is a very nice guy. And a franchise. And a franchise. Um, that stopped becoming a franchise and became a franchise again. Yeah. Uh-huh. So he's an unrestricted free agent. Yeah. Um, after six years with Tampa, and he ends up signing for Cleveland, Cleveland Browns. March 31st, 1993. With the... And this is the nick. I didn't give him this nickname. This is the nickname that the uncircumcised penis of the NFL, Bill Belichick, <laughs> brings him in. I didn't give him that nickname. I'm saying that. Was- I mean, when you look at that hood at all time, although he's kind of got a little stuff shorn off the sides with the sleeves. I'm just saying, when the hood gets taken down, that's when you know it's time to fuck. That's when so- you know it's extra pleasure, Chris. When the hood gets taken down. <laughs> So he goes to uh, the Browns and ends up backing up again. Bernie Kosar. But Bernie here's Kosar. the thing. Belichick is not a huge fan of Kosar's salary no. and where he's at in his career. Mm-hmm. Belichick brings in Vinny, obviously, to back him up, and which is great because Cleveland is starting to build a decent team, number one, so he's not going to get murdered behind an offensive line. He's just experienced the football version of PTSD, so you get to back up a pro bowler in Bernie Kosar. But you might get some reps if you're Vinny. And by the middle of 1993, as we brought up in our Aikman episode, Bernie Kosar is released by Cleveland. Ends up going to Dallas. So Vinny's the guy in, in, towards the end of 93 in Cleveland. Well, I, I'm, I would be interested to know the conversations that they had of being like, this position will probably open up in the next year. So if you come in and be a backup this year, next... You know what I mean? Like yeah. Because he does go... It, what would people would think would be in his prime to be a backup at the Browns, but then immediately becomes like not immediately like halfway through their season becomes their starter. And if we look he at it, does in 90- a good job in '93 because he goes yep. three and three, has 14 touchdowns and nine picks and just under 1,800 yards. So this is the first time in his career he has more touchdowns than interceptions. Yes. He's in year seven. Mm-hmm. This poor bastard. But that's what we see. Finally, he gets a team around him. 94, they actually have a good record. They were. I remember this team. They were actually really good. And sure, your, your boys beat them. Well, they beat them three times. Uh, in 13 starts, he goes 9-4. and four. The team goes 11-5. and five. Um, 55.1% completion percentage. 16 touchdowns. Well, he has 18 picks. He's got almost 2,600 yards. And he takes them to the playoffs. They win one of the AFC wild cards which is amazing, and they go to play someone he'll be associated with down the road, the New England Patriots. They get a home playoff game, and they Bill up. Parcells. Mm-hmm. And on January 1st, 1995, I did want to bring this up because I watched this game. He played really well, uh, 20 of 30 for 268 yards and a touchdown and no picks, and they beat another guy we did an episode on in Drew Bledsoe. How about those spiderwebs? 20 to 13. But you're right, where he stepped up in this first playoff game. 
Where yeah. You're kind of thinking, you're like, oh, this is the quarterback that everybody saw coming out of college that was like had all the potential and Tampa Bay just kind of, you know. This is not someone that was sent to the version of hell in the NFL yes. in 1987. Um, they do play the following week in Pittsburgh and get blank 29 and nothing. But heading into 95, you thought the Bra- – like. I think Sports Illustrated that year picked him to go to the Super Bowl. They I'll, signed Andre Rise. Yes. A lot of people saw this team as and this is sometimes that happens in sports too, where you're just like, ooh, all this is gonna come together and it comes together like shit. And it was I mean, you see them go five and eleven and it, the the crappy part is a lot of those eleven losses were mid-season when Art Modell told everybody he was moving the team. Yes. He wasn't going to sell to anyone in Cleveland. He was going to move them to Baltimore. I was just going to say, so there, it was like a third of the way through the season where he was just like, so we're we're not going to be here next year. And everyone was just like, And okay. the thing was... Is to, th- to be a player, it must have been so fucking weird. I saw this documentary, The Football Life on 95 Cleveland, mm-hmm. and like players not knowing what to do with the condos that they rented. And yeah. Like, like, I mean, it was just a total shit show. Uh, that year, Vinny had a 61.5 completion percentage. I didn't want to bring that up because he got more accurate and less turnover prone over the course. Like the Tampa shit should just be wiped. I yeah, mean, it no exists, shit, but, but like that's not a good indicator. Uh, 17 touchdowns, 10 picks, over 2,800 yards. Unfortunately, he only went four and eight in those 12 starts, and he started losing playing time to Eric Zire. Mm. So, uh, 96. He's not in Cleveland anymore, along with the rest of his team. He makes the trip. To Baltimore, and my God, does he have the season of seasons for the Ravens? And it, this is the season that I feel like a lot of people point to that they're just kind of like those were the numbers that he probably could have put up if he went to wherever, you yeah. know, in this in the, wherever that wasn't Tampa Bay in this era because he literally, I mean, four thousand yards, thirty three touchdowns, and only nineteen interceptions. This is the the. What we see, you know what I mean, is the interceptions finally drop to like a reasonable level. Yes. Like, yeah, you're, he, and Vinny's a strong arm guy. He takes a lot of chances mm-hmm. as far as gunning it down the field. And this is still not the air raid pass happy offenses we see today. These are like, you know, deeper and intermediate routes that are difficult to complete. Um, that year he makes his first Pro Bowl. Um, he was even excellent on the ground. I had read um, him scrambling out of the pocket because they had no running backs at that point. Oh, yeah. So that he was one of their best uh, running threats that year. Um, he actually scored the first touchdown in Baltimore Ravens history. I didn't want to bring that up. So a little uh, spider web there, I guess. Well, uh, yeah. Well, it was a, a little running touchdown. So yeah. it was that was cool because you wouldn't think that. It wasn't a passing touchdown. It was literally him sneaking it in. So. Uh, Following season, and he signs a four-year extension, restructured yep. extension after this year. So you're thinking, okay, the Ravens have their guy. Mm-hmm. Hooray. 97, not so good. They go, he goes 4-8-1. and one. Eric Zier is again coming in and out of the lineup to replace him. Uh, although he has almost 3,000 yards and more touchdowns and interceptions, their defense, this is as they're getting the young pieces, Baltimore, but they're not there yet. Their defenses were horrendous these two seasons that Vinny was there with them. Um, unfortunately, because of the decline in play, um, he was released from his contract after yeah, they, the season. I feel like this happens a lot, too, where they sign Jim Harbaugh and they're just like, uh, 
that contract just isn't worth it. It's I've, almost like the Bernie Kosar where you're just kind of like, it was it was too big for what we signed. I'm always interested to know if they had kept him through like 2000 when they were like really, really good. stacked on D. Yeah. Like maybe their offense would have been a hell of a lot better. Who mm -hmm. knows? I mean, they wouldn't. No, that's, you really don't know if they actually would have stuck with this contract and been, been like, you're our guy. But yeah, they. So he's without a team in, in midsummer. He's not one of those guys that's released, you know, off the bat and snapped up immediately. Yep. Uh, takes till June 24th, 1998. And he signs with his favorite team growing up, which is almost a form of child abuse, the New York Jets. That's right, because he grew up in New York. Um, coming into this season, I, I don't think a lot of people were giving him... Well, he came in to be a backup to yes, Glenn again. Foley. He was not the starter. He was not projected to be the starter, but he had two friends on that staff in head coach Bill Parcells and uncircumcised penis defensive coordinator Bill Belichick. That's correct. And after a rough start to the season for the Jets, including Foley being injured, it's Vinny's job. And what does he do, Chris, but have probably his greatest season as a professional football player? I was just going to say, he statistically, as, as we're saying it, like, and, I, and you wonder how good he would have been under some good coaching uh, because he literally has 29 touchdowns and seven interceptions, which is the biggest detractor that people say about him, like, getting into the Hall of Fame. They're just like, look at all those interceptions. Those I think Terry Bradshaw had two more touchdowns and interceptions in his career yeah. because the beginning of his career in Pittsburgh was, was a lot like Vinny's yes. in Tampa Bay. Yes. Um, he goes 12-1 and one in the 13 games he starts for him. The Jets win the AFC. I wanted to say this because it surprised the hell out of even me because I figured they would have stole one at some point. Mm -hmm. It was the first time they won the AFC East since the NFL merger in 1970. Not even Broadway Joe did that. It's pretty sad. I mean, hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> Jesus, Jets. Oh, my God. 61.5% completion percentage, almost 3,300 yards. I mean, this was his season. Yes. They, they had the Vinny and the Jets thing rolling. I mean, they had a great defense coached by Grumbledore. I mean, they, were, they got the number two seed. They got a first-round bye this year. And Vinny's a huge reason why. Yes. Um, rolls into the playoffs uh, January 10th, 1999 to play Jacksonville. Uh, they have who won the AFC Central that year. They come out hot. He has a great game. 24-36, uh, 284 yards, a TD and a pick. And they win 34-24. to Unfortunately for them, they have to go play the defending Super Bowl champions in Denver. Well, who had I just won. I think Denver was 14-2 and that year. Yeah. I mean, they were that We talked about it in the LA episode. Mm -hmm. They were really good. Um, they go there, and then in the third quarter, the Jets are somehow nursing a 10 to nothing lead. <laughs> then Denver scores to make it 10 to 7. Then our boy Jason Elam from our Hawaii episode has a knuckling kickoff. It's fumbled. Denver gets the ball back. Go on to win. They scored 23 points in a row, and Vinny had two picks. Over 300 yards in the game, but two picks. And I was going to say, he, he kind of fell apart in the end, but... Literally, if you watch this, the Jets fall apart at the end. It's the Jetsiest Jets mm -hmm. thing since the Jets ever Jets this because AFC title game. For th two and a half quarters, they literally held the Broncos to nothing and then let them do whatever they wanted for about a quarter. 
I, I distinctly remember. I, I don't think I've ever rooted for the Jets harder in any game ever. And it was just like, okay. what was it? The Artie Lang quote. You know, when I was a kid, I was really into girls. Then I got into the Jets. Then I got into girls. And then I got into the Jets. Because with women, you know, most of the time they will never fuck you. But the Jets will always fuck you. Yeah, that's so true. Because it's, go oh, Artie. <laughs> He was supposed to keep driving. Mm. <laughs> 99, much like 95 in Cleveland, there's hype for the Jets. You got Vinny coming back. A stacked team already there. You've signed Steve Atwater away from Denver. You're making that postseason push. And dear God, if this franchise isn't, wasn't built on an Indian burial ground. Because, man, it was two minutes into the first quarter. Hit he punches middle. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in the face, breaks his hand. But this is literally like... What you see where, like, all of this hype goes up, and I think it's the second quarter of the first game. and they're winning. They're beating New England, and what happens, Chris? He ruptures his Achilles, um, his Achilles tendon, and he's out for the entire season. So, A, that's horrible. One interesting sports fact, you can look this up. I think their backup was hurt, but I do remember this game. The Jets used Tom Tupa, who was a quarterback at Ohio State, yep. but he was a Pro Bowl punter, and that was his position. In the They used Tom Tupa to play in this game for, like, over a half of football. Yeah. So, 99, the Jets suck. I mean, they finished 8-8, eight and eight, but I think they started, like, 1-6, and, mm-hmm. and after that year, Parcells retires. Heading into 2000, because Vinny... Um, I believe he's 36. So, yeah, he was born in 63. So, yeah, he's 36, 37 years old. This is the year 37 season. In the 2000 draft, they take Chad Pennington uh, at a Marshall to back him up. Vinny's the starter this year. They go 9-7, and seven, although they miss the playoffs. Um, he has almost 3,800 yards passing and 21 touchdowns, but and has four fourth-quarter comebacks. I was going to say, this is the, the comeback kid year, where this, he has the Monday Night Miracle. Yeah, what do you want to talk about? Well, I want to talk about that, because yeah. that's pretty awesome. If you're not familiar, just, uh, October 23rd, 2000, Monday Night Football, where we have Dennis Miller doing the Monday Night Football at this juncture. Still in a, one of the weirdest, I don't know, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it didn't make any sense. Uh, they're playing the Miami Dolphins at the Meadowlands, and they're down 30-7 to going into the fourth quarter. Vinny has played like garbage almost the entire game. In this fourth quarter, (laughs) he throws four touchdowns. It's one of the most bizarre quarters in NFL history with just what happens, how the Jets just march down the field every time they get the ball. It's crazy. And he also throws them to different receivers. Yeah. Which you're like... It, it, yeah, because like you were saying, they march it down, and it's not like one guy that he's just going to. He's like airing it out to everybody, and then they proceed to beat the Dolphins forty to thirty-seven. One of the touchdowns just to, was to an offensive tackle. Oh yes, tackle eligible play, Jumbo Elliott. I mean, it's crazy. Jimbo. They win in overtime. Uh, unfortunately, their nine and seven yeah. record doesn't allow them to get into the playoffs. Two thousand one, they're a wild card team. Vinny has a great season as far as five fourth quarter comebacks and five game winning drives he's clutch when he when he needs to be mm-hmm. they go 10 and 6 um they uh has almost 2800 passing yards 15 touchdowns um unfortunately for them they lose in the wild card to the raiders yep in the black hole and 
by 2002, after a one and three start, he's out as a starter. And Chad Pennington's ready to take over, and and you could see him as this veteran quarterback that still has value in developing young quarterbacks. Not only that, the stories he can tell from Tampa, my God, (laughs) that's just like, back in my day. Well, that's why they say he ends up joining the Cowboys is to develop uh, Quincy Carter, who promptly gets kicked off the team for drugs. Yeah, so allegedly backs up backs up Pennington for two seasons in 2002, 2003. Though he does play a significant portion in 2003. He has to start the first six games of that season because Pennington's hurt. Um, Forgot about seven touchdowns, two picks. Even though he goes two and five, but he still has value and he's 40 years old. Yes, which good for you, Vinny Greenballs. Keep that career going. So June 3rd, 2004, like you said. Quincy Carter just took him to the playoffs. You need an old man. Uh, Bill Parcells is the new head coach in uh, Dallas. Gets talked out of retirement by uh, <laughs> the tuna, the the most respectful owner in the entire. Oh, the mo- oh, the owner. <laughs> well, that's that's why that's what they were saying was he brings him out of retirement. Yeah. Um, he goes and he says, "Look, Vinny would be a great." backup quarterback that we can rely on but also develop Quincy and then I feel I think they said it was like two or three weeks after they signed him he gets busted allegedly for a failed drug test to Quincy Carter uh, and kicked off the team thus making our boy the the starter at 41 years old so while he leads the league with 20 picks to throw for over 3,500 yards and 17 touchdowns and this is an era where no one was playing over 40. Oh, now yeah. you not, see it so much more often. No. This was not, you know, an era where guys did this. He had the, which his passing yards were the third most in a season in Cowboys history. He taught a franchise record with three, that, these are all then franchise records. Yeah, yeah. 300 pa- uh, passing yards uh, games in a season. And he was um, the fifth quarterback to pass for over 300 yards in NFL history at over 40 years old. And he also was there mentoring another young quarterback instead of Quincy Carter. That's right. So the third stringer, who becomes the second stringer, Mm -hmm. who becomes the most annoying announcer ever. Apparently he can see the future, everybody. And that's a a tall order considering what a douche canoe Jim Nance is. Um, Tony Romo gets the development that... Quincy Carter should have gotten, and you see him become a starting quarterback at Dallas for the next, you know, whatever decade or so. Horrible decade. Oh, they had. The annoying <laughs> decade where they still won nothing, Chris. Wasn't that nice? That was great. Back that, to the Jets. That, not J- Cowboys. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, uh, uh, after that season. Oh, yeah. So he's not so signed because Parcells brings goes, in through Bledsoe. And this is what we see with the with these quarterbacks where. Musical chairs? Yes, it <laughs> is literally like musical chairs because Bledsoe comes in literally as almost the exact same guy as almost like elder uh, yeah. backup quarterback. So he goes back to his favorite team. I'm going to bring something up when we talk about the stats of Vinny Testaverde to prove he is not of this planet, okay? And it's related to this team he signs with again. Yep. 2005, so the Jets signs in September after Chad Pennington and Jay Fiedler are injured. He goes one and three as a starter. He's 42. And on December 26, 2005, on Monday Night Football, a 27-yard TD pass to Lavernius Coles from Vinny has, the mo- has him set the record, then record, because yep. Tom Brady just dream smashes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the most consecutive seasons with a touchdown pass at 19. That's ridiculous. 
Especially saying because, like, in those first seasons, they were doubting whether or not he was going to get a TD pass because Tampa Bay was so bad. Oh, yeah. Uh, bad. But, but 19 in, consecutive seasons. It's, yeah. In that game, I did want to bring up, because they're playing the Patriots, um, Doug Flutie also played in this game. Oh, yeah. it was meaningless for New England as far as, you know, they've already clinched a playoff berth. They put Doug Flutie in, and it is the first game in NFL history where two quarterbacks over 40 completed a pass. I think stuff like that is cool. Oh, I love that. Like, is is it big in the grand scheme? No, but that's just like a cool little tidbit. Yes. Um, 2006, uh, he decides to sign with New England. Mm-hmm. And Bill Belichick brings him back. And then on uh, December 31st, a touchdown pass to Troy Brown gives him 20 straight seasons with a touchdown pass. Um, He's backing up uh, little Timmy Brady right now. Timmy Brady. Um, And you see him just as that second-string quarterback that I feel like a lot of teams desire that you can trust and be almost like a quarterback coach. He's seen the best and the worst of the NFL. Yes, he keeps himself in fantastic physical shape. I mean, as far as being able 43. to play. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, I mean, this dates back even when he's at Miami. Yeah, yeah. Seriously. And you know what? Kind of like we talked about in Kenny Lofton, the, the Kenny Lofton episode. Just a nice guy. Yeah, he is. Like, not a he really dick. is. Not a dick. I just don't like school. And you know what, Vinny? Nobody really likes school. But that's why I feel like a lot of teams pick him up this late is sometimes people, their egos are too big to be backups. They're not going to help yeah. develop young guys. That's like they were saying, like he really was a nice guy that you wanted to have on your team. It was like all of that shit that you're just like, yeah, no, I, if we're going to bring him back at 43. And if you can make guys like Belichick and Parcells like you. I mean, that's a talent in and of itself. Ladies, if you can make an uncircumcised penis like you, you are green (laughs) balls in my book. Green balls and ham? Uh, So in 2007... I I thought this was interesting. He actually did sign a one-year contract with the Patriots, but then they ended up releasing him. Yeah, Um, he could have been on that 18-1 and team. Yes, I know. That's what I was... That game was like the Miami Penn State of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, that really was. They have Giants. Oh. So, but he signs uh, October 10th um, after being released in September by New England uh, by the Carolina Panthers. And uh, October 14th of that year, Jake DeLome is out with an elbow injury. So, Vinny starts that game and gets a 65 yard TD to Steve Smith Sr. now, which makes it 21. 21- Straight seasons with a touchdown pass. So say what you will about his career in Tampa. That's some consistency, Chris. It really is. And I love the fact that this uh, this TD was a bomb, which just kind of, uh, I just love it. Oh, it's fantastic. And then uh, the following week, uh, they beat the Cardinals 25-10. to 10. So at age 43, he's the oldest quarterback to start and win in the NFL until Tom Brady. Yep. <laughs> um. Uh, another interesting elderly thing. Uh, November 18th, 2007, they go play the Packers at Lambeau Field. Vinny's 44 now. Brett Favre is 38. And they called the game the Senior Bowl, and it was the oldest starting quarterback duo in NFL history for a game. And on December 2nd, 2007, he's the second oldest quarterback in NFL history at 44 years, 19 days. And two TD passes in a win over the 49ers and broke the record for oldest starter to win a game in the NFL. His last game uh, against, uh, oddly enough, it came full circle. Yep. 
against the Bucks. Against the, the Buccaneers. Bucks. So that's it's. I love that stuff where his literally the game he retires on is the team that took him first round, and now they're looking. This is how long he played. Was he played through the Buccaneers being the worst franchise, and now they're almost like a mediocre franchise at this point? Yeah. Where you're just kind of like, I bet looking at that, you're like, I wish you guys just had that much shit together when I was here. Like, ah. Could you be eight and eight? Yeah. I would have enjoyed that. I, I mean, I wouldn't have complained. So, Vinny, now bring up his stats 21 yes. seasons. Um, he has more touchdown passes than a number of Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Yes. 275, though his 267 interceptions are not particularly good. But over um, 46,000 passing yards, 46,233, um, he attempted over 6,700 passes. He played forever. Yeah. Um, one thing I did want to bring up about his career record he had a winning record of 35 and 26 with the New York Jets. That does not happen a lot. You might rank him in the top five quarterbacks in that franchise history just based on the five or so seasons he played with them. Um, won the Heisman Trophy in 1986, national championship in 83 on the bench there. Florida Sports Hall of Fame 2006, College Football Hall of Fame 2013, and the Long Island Sports Hall of Fame in 1987. And really should be in the NFL Hall of Fame um, just for his consistency and longevity in the in the game. Like, uh, that's, yeah. The guy played in three different decades. Mm -hmm. A lot of years in three different decades. I mean, you win 90 games in the NFL considering what you were placed into. That's pretty darn good. So, Benitez Testaverde, everybody.